You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors John Marshall and Nicole Deal to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. All right, John and Nicole, it's been too long. We need to shorten the amount of time between our visits because I enjoy talking with the both of you so much. Nicole, how have you been? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Yeah, the, the weather's changing. It's okay. getting close to the holidays, so I'm happy. I'm oh, a happy man. girl. That's what I like to hear. John, how about you, man? I'm doing well, man. I'm trying to keep from catching this cold. Like Nicole said, this weather change, it was literally like 80 degrees last week. And now we're getting lows of like 51 oh, right wow. now. So I'm fighting it, man, but I'm doing amazing. I'm doing okay. really well. All right. Well, I would say we'd, we'd get you out of here, but um, it's nice and warm where we are. So let's just do the news. How about that? Uh, first up. <laughs> <laughs> First up, uh, the the black Republican, uh, former Republican candidate for president, Tim Scott, he he's ended his presidential campaign. But now his alleged girlfriend, Mindy Nose, um, she's making news after details about her past marriage and shady financial dealing surfaced this week. Um, so, Nicole, let's start with you. Give us more about this story and then John will follow up with you. Okay, so um, you've already said South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott, hoping to become president, but dropped out of the race earlier this month after the third GOP debate. Mm -hmm. So he basically got roasted early on all over social media for saying he had a girlfriend, but she was never seen with him while he was campaigning for president. Sure. Um, so the so-called girlfriend that no one could find proof of, no one had ever seen, no one knew her name, no one could find pictures of the two of them together. There were even rumors that he might be gay, et cetera. And I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say it. We just didn't believe that he had a girlfriend. <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
Um, we have a word for this in the hood. In in the hood, we call this suspect. Mm. So we didn't know if he had a girlfriend or not, but he actually did produce a girlfriend. And as you've said, her name is Mindy Nose. She is white. She is an interior designer from Charleston, South Carolina, 47 years old. Um, she has three kids. And this is why I don't run for public office, because I don't know Mindy, but I know all her business. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, um, but there may have been a reason all this time that he did not tell us who she was. She was, as you said, reportedly involved in a financial scandal with her ex-husband back in 2017. So yeah. she and her ex-husband owned a company called Bravas Partners, but the company was accused of being a shell and sham scheme. So a, a shell company looks like a legal company on paper, but it's not really a viable business. And they're typically associated with fraud and embezzlement and all types of financial crimes. But the shell of the company is what makes the fraud harder to detect and harder to prove. But anyway, um, according to the Daily Mail, there was a $1.2 million deal that her technology ex-husband was involved in, now ex-husband, uh, and that deal reportedly went bad. And she reportedly helped him hide their assets so they could walk away from any liability. And um, and and in the hood, we call this Slim Shady. <laughs> this is <laughs> some Slim Shady business right there. Um I believe they got divorced right around the same time that that deal went bad or in that same year. But apparently she still made out pretty good because she now lives in a two and a half million dollar house on Daniel Island in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really have a strong opinion about this. I mean, Tim Scott is he's 58 years old. His presidential run is over, at least for this particular presidential season. Um, he's pretty much a non-factor. Mm -hmm. And as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> that makes her a non-factor by default. Yeah. Uh, so a year from now, I don't even think we're going to be talking about him or her. And, and I don't even think this relationship will exist. There you go. There you go. John, how about you, man? Nicole hit it right on the head <clears throat> at the very end. Uh, it's, it's a red herring. It, it's, it's fluff. It's just, um, something to talk about in in the news cycle or like the, the the major news cycles and i hate that it's a it's a brother that it's happening to but you know how the old saying goes uh what is it show show who a man is show his wife and you'll know a lot about the man or show his girlfriend and you'll figure out a lot about uh the the, the man who you date uh plays a big part in who you are so again with nicole saying it, it's kind of like a non-factor anymore he's not running for president anymore he's dropped out it's his girlfriend it's not necessarily or well it's not necessarily it's not his wife um and business deals go bad uh um shady things happen um public office and public eye i just don't know what people think when they start running for these kinds of positions like maybe their stuff isn't going to come out because everybody's stuff always comes out. Um, I, I don't even know if Tim Scott believed or his camp believed or the Republicans believed or whoever believed that he had an actual chance of winning this thing, or if this was some kind of strategic uh, move just to help push 
you know, the the Trump campaign and all of that. But as far as his girlfriend goes and her shady dealings, it's, it's not going to matter, you know, when when it comes down to the actual presidential debate. Um, yeah. I mean, I hope the relationship continues to go well and I hope she doesn't get into more any shady business. But, you know, he's not a factor anymore, Ramses. There you go. Well, two things. One, I think you uh, mentioned it or you alluded to it, at least that um, my belief is that all these people are running for vice president. That's really what it is. No one is even remotely close to the level of of Donald Trump in terms of the polls, even if all of them combined aren't close to that. So um, this just is, you know, whoever can make the most noise for a vice presidential uh, bid. That's that's really what I believe that it is. And then the other thing that I think makes this story newsworthy and it's unfortunate but it's because his girlfriend is white if he had brought out someone that looked just like him um that could be a part of his family conceivably people would be like oh okay he does have a girlfriend moving on and it would not even be a footnote the reason that we're now after he's ended that bid still looking into this man's girlfriend and her former dealings with her ex-husband and you know all this sort of stuff is because she's she's white and he's black and i think that's what people were kind of expecting when he said he was dating a good christian i don't think anybody was thinking that he was dating (laughs) anything other than exactly who he's dating so um so you know like you said uh, in a year we probably won't even remember this story but you know for now that's the news um moving on the authors of a new book on george floyd revealed how they were censored from reading their work at a recent high school event in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, This time, John, let's start with you. Give us more on the story. And then, Nicole, I'd like to follow up with you. Cool, cool. So I will just briefly recap it. Uh, Two authors, Robert Samuels and Toulouse Olorunipa, were promoting their, let's remember this, Pulitzer Prize winning book. His name name is George Floyd. And before I even get too much further into this, let's just remind everybody what the Pulitzer Prize is. This is literally regarded as the nation's highest national honor for, I believe, print journalism, uh, uh, literary, just kind of literary achievements, and musical composition as well. Mm -hmm. So in order to win this, it's got to be some pretty influential people that are going to bestow this award upon you and the work that you had. So let's just make a footnote on that because that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. So they were barred from discussing uh, systemic racism to a room of Memphis, Tennessee high schoolers because of a decision that they attribute to the Tennessee book restrictions, the same way as the Florida book restrictions. And it was at the very last minute that they were told that they could not have any kind of deeper engagement with the book's theme. Now, there's been some conflicting statements that come from the school officials because they don't want to have any blood on their hands, right? And the event organizers, and they just claim that it was some miscommunication. But Tennessee laws, or they're saying that Tennessee laws influenced the distribution, but didn't restrict the author's speech. So it's like, okay, you can talk about it a little bit, but you can't show the book. You can't read from the book or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the students ended up accessing the book through an alternative nonprofit source after the event. But this is, man, again, this is a Pulitzer Prize winning book. Not many books reach that level. And it is a very important book. This gets really deep, though, because history is written by those who win, 
right? Like if you go back into the old times, whoever won the war, they get a chance to write how the war went or they get a chance to write how history went. What's happening right now in the broader spectrum of this, this ban on books and information is a certain group of people, uh, more often than not, the extreme white right wing conservatives are literally trying to erase history from the annals of America. Like George Floyd happened, an ex-cop murdered him. And it's seeming like if they just say, hey, if we don't talk about it, it will be erased. And it didn't really happen if we don't talk about it, which is where these bands are coming from. And it's the people that are in positions of power that are making these bands, which Ramses, it blows my mind. It's not surprising, but it blows my mind to where they're like, hey, we just not going to talk about this. The same way they don't want to talk about slavery in school anymore, or they want to kind of twist it and say that slaves learned a lot during slavery. They want to twist it to where the newer generations, I, Gen millennial well millennials we know but there's this i gen gen z's generation where they are programmed uh, uh to not understand and know what happened what really happened in history and george floyd just happened so it's very unfortunate that this is happening in a society today uh it's also a good thing that the internet exists so that people can go and do their research and look the stuff up for themselves you sure. still have these gatekeepers that are just restricting knowledge and difficult conversations. And it's okay to have difficult conversations. It's okay to talk about the truth and what really happened. And I think the people that are trying to do this are cowards, man. They're cowards. Restricting uh, books about, let's just talk about this specific situation. George Floyd, that's a coward move. Uh, This book won a Pulitzer Prize and it needs to be talked about and we need to have continued discussions on it and his act needs to be passed. So, they're just cowards for doing this, man. And it, it really gets my blood boiling. It kind of chafes my butt, bro, when this kind of stuff happens because you can't erase history. You have to own up to it and you have to figure out how to move forward. You can't stick your head in the sand and say it never happened. Sure. Sure. You're, you're not wrong. It's it. And, and they're, they're playing the long game, you know, while we win yeah. the battles, they're focused on the war. I understand entirely. Nicole, what are your thoughts? Okay, um, John, you forgot one thing. <laughs> you forgot to drop the mic after you <laughs> I second everything sure, you just sure, said. Sure. So let me just kind of re resummarize the situation. Both authors of the book are black. They mm-hmm. wrote a book about George Floyd, a black man murdered on a public street by a white policeman. So my first question is, what were you invited to the school to do? I mean, just very elementary. What were you invited to do? Next question. What did they think you were coming to the school to talk about? Okay. I have to presume you were planning to talk about your new book. Maybe talk about some of your own personal black life experiences. Maybe pass out a few free books, perhaps even read an excerpt from your new book. And let's not forget that the school that they were invited to is in Memphis, Tennessee, right? It's a black school. The black population in that city is nearly 65%. So what is it that you were afraid that might be said or done 
And why were they invited in the first place if you if you were going to censor them? I mean, <clears throat> suffice it to say, this most certainly definitely unequivocally is not a miscommunication. These black men were censored. The restrictions uh were air quotes miscommunicated about 48 hours before they were scheduled to be there. Are you for real? I mean, come on. Um, my, my, my kind of final thought on this is why did they even go? Because your attendance under those circumstances and restrictions perpetuates the problem. People write books so they can be liberated, they can be heard, they can share a point of view or perspective that others may not otherwise ever be exposed to, and or there is something insightful or riveting about that the author wants to share, and then readers have the opportunity to explore that. So when you purposefully censor that when the school district or the school or whomever, when that is purposefully censored, when that creativity can't go forward, to me, that is a violation of our First Amendment rights, our constitutional rights, and that is the the right to free speech. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash B-I-N. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. 
LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash news. That's LifeLock.com slash news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Black Information Network news anchors John Marshall and Nicole Deal are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right, Microsoft founder Bill Gates made news this week with his prediction that everyone will have an AI-powered personal assistant in the future and that this will happen within the next five years. Uh, Nicole, let's start with you this time. Let's get your reaction to this. And then, of course, John, I'd love to hear from you. All right, I love this story. This is this is interesting to me. Um, first and foremost, Bill Gates is a multi-billionaire, founder of Microsoft. He's obviously a high-level thinker and, you know, just if we're just going to be real about when he talks, people listen, right? Because he's very wealthy. Mm -hmm. So um, I I think it's a big statement that he's saying everyone, you know, that's really everyone will be using artificial intelligence for their personal assistance needs within the next five years. Um, But what is equally important to me is what he did, did not say. And that is using it to what capacity. Mm. I I have a short answer for this one. I, I hope he's right because, because I'm not a big technology person, but I am a huge proponent of efficiency, right? Okay. So sure. if there's some new technology that I can use to make my life a little more simple, manage my personal and business calendars, keep me on time, you know, book my hair and nail and doctor's appointments, keep me on budget, help me manage my vacations, support my weekly trips to the gym, keep me motivated, you know, don't let me eat a <laughs> First half in a line, pizza. Huh? <laughs> right. I don't want to eat a half a pizza at one time. All right. So sign me up for that. You know, yeah. I, I want to try it. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be a cost associated with, with efficiency, you know, at, at some of the examples and levels I described. Um, there's probably going to be a monthly fee, annual fee or something, but it will definitely be monetized in some way. There's even a company called Humane, I think, Humane um, uh, AI. I, I'm, I, that, that, I think that's the name of the company. And they even came out with, with a pin, like some type of uh, almost like a lapel pin uh, that's seven hundred dollars. That. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, and um, and they're they're it comes with a monthly rate of twenty four ninety nine, I think, right now. Um, but it, again, it seems like it's pr- pretty intrusive. So I think there will be a cost that is also not financial, and that is that it's going to come at a significant cost to our personal privacy. And also with an increase in potential risk, maybe for identity theft and identity fraud, because the more information we get out there and and put out about ourselves and have, you know, a chat bot or some type of AI managing that data, you know, it's there's a cyber risk to that. Um, And so what about our kids? How old do you have to be to use it? And what's the risk to them? So I think if if some tech company can get in front of all of that and figure out some hard, fast and true mechanisms for mitigating against that personal risk, then I think more people would be willing to try it. Sure, sure. John, give me some thoughts, man. Yeah, definitely. I am. I'm all for it. Just like Nicole said, I love efficiency. Um, I, I do a lot of different things and time management and being able to get things done quicker, more accurately. 
is really big in my world, uh, as I'm sure it is in a lot of people's worlds, just yeah, uh, yeah. being able to be a high functioning human and, and achieve and, and move forward is, you know, a part of our daily uh, struggle and daily grind. Nicole brought up something very good, though, that I wanted to touch on. Well, right before I say that, we pretty much have an AI tool in our in everybody's hand. These smartphones that we have, you yeah. know what I mean? Uh, sure. you, you can access AI on there, whether it's chat GPT or, or anything like that. Or and Siri. these phones are so smart. They're, they're, they're listening. We know that. So we essentially have something of the sort, quasi-AI, in our hand already. So I completely agree with, with Bill Gates. I don't know the timeline. He He's a much more expert on that than I am. If he says five years, hey, I'll go with it. So I definitely believe it's going to happen. Nicole brought up something really interesting, though, which affects us, Black people, more than it affects anybody else. We'll just start here in America. The costs that would be associated with this, if we as a people, uh, according to the numbers and just the history, systemically make less than everybody else, uh, median household income, uh, wages on jobs, if we make less, will we be able to afford this AI? And it it goes into the realm of for the people that can, that don't look like us, they get to be 10, 100, 1,000 times more efficient in their life, in their careers, in their families, but we're still stuck without this AI because maybe we can't afford it. Is there going to be a WIC program for AI? You know what I mean? For, for, for us, you know what I mean? So this is something that we always have to look at when it comes sure. to us. How does this affect us with our, from, our, from our, our pockets standpoint? And will it be... And life never is. But will it be fair? Will it be across the board? If uh, 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 um, Kit over there can afford the thousand dollar a month, you know, AI and I'm getting the government assistant AI, you know, you know, in my is that a fair playing field? You know what I mean? So that's a really big I I can't wait for it. Uh, AI is the way of the future. Uh, Electric. Everything is the way of the future. So it's coming. It's just about how do we take best advantage of it and how do we try to make sure that we as black people are getting our fair share of the pie which we never have so that's you know what we talk about. i i feel like uh you raise a really important point this is kind of how i think about these things um and i think that your point illustrates exactly why a war on poverty is necessary because poverty shapes outcomes to a degree that almost nothing else does. Um, in the criminal justice system, just to pick an example, beyond healthcare, beyond quality of life, beyond economic empowerment, beyond, you know, all the other facets of a person's life. Um, we have a criminal justice system in this country, uh, according to Brian Stevenson, that treats you better if you are rich and guilty than if you are poor and innocent. So again, wealth shapes outcomes, not culpability. And so I think that your point is well made. Um, with respect to how will this be rolled out? Now, to be fair, Bill Gates says everyone will have it, a la everyone has a Siri or an Alexa, or it's it's at a price point that most everyone can afford. So my hope in my optimism is that it won't be beyond the reach of people, fiscally speaking. Um, but uh, I, I I believe him too. You know, I think that you both mentioned that. I believe him. He was right about the pandemic. You remember that? He did that TED mm-hmm. talk in 2015. He predicted that. He said that was the biggest threat to humanity. And then, uh, you know, what came to mind as I was reading the article about this is that 2013 movie, it's called Her. 
I'm not sure if you've seen it, but for our our listeners, if you have not seen it, it's a it's a pretty cool movie. It stars Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Um, but basically, it's a relationship between an individual and his AI assistant, and you you start to see the different ways that AI. To be fair, that's like kind of a romantic movie. It's a little weird, but it also shows other ways that AI can, you know, uh, turbocharge a person who's already motivated to accomplish quite a bit. And so I welcome it too. Um, I wish there were more black people at the table to help, you know, infuse some black perspectives into these algorithms and into these meetings and into the decision makers that create the decision makers, the artificial decision makers of the future. And so, um, but if we have enough of that and enough representation in those rooms, it, it it could be a good thing for everyone. Maybe it maybe it might level the playing field. Who knows? But we'll have to wait five years and see. So I'm standing by. <laughs> Last story today. Uh, it looks like Black Republican pundit Candace Owens has a new political opponent, a nine year old rapper named Lil R T. Ooh, so John, let's start with you because I know you're gonna have a lot for me. <laughs> Give me some I was, details I was on waiting the story. for this one, and I then Nicole will follow up with you. All right. So uh, again, a little recap, Candace Owens, whom I love, I don't necessarily agree with everything that she says. Uh, everybody has opinions on stuff, but I love Candace Owens. She keeps it 100 and she's going to stand on business as the kids say these days. Mm. She is criticizing this nine-year-old rapper. And that's a big quote rapper, Lil RT's music as it being destructive to black culture, uh, which is sparking a lot of controversy. Now, Owens has labeled the lyrics derogatory, which they are, uh, harmful, which they are. And Lil RT is also known as Coco Felon, uh, playing off of the name Coco Melon. Uh, but he's res- uh, defending his music and he responded to Candace on, on social media and he said she needs to be quiet and that her food is trash and that uh, he's not worried about her or stunting her. But Owens is really concerned about this, citing that it is child exploitation And that's where I'm going to attack this story from, because I got three things for you. Number one, if you have ever been in the hood, have you if you've ever been around the hood, if you got family members in the hood, nine, 10, 11 year olds, eight, seven, they're all talking like this kid is talking. They're all saying the exact same things. They're all rapping. All all is a stretch. Okay, all is a stretch. I, I, I will say this. All of the music that we are reciting all of the, the the Jeezy and the Tip and the Waynes and the and the little Yachty's and all that stuff like that. These kids are singing that. I was a young kid singing all of those crazy lyrics and music stuff like that. Lil RT is talking about doing sixty on the dash to get away from from, from the police, which first of all isn't fast enough, but second of all he can't even drive yet. He's talking about women in a very derogatory way. He can't do nothing with no women right now. Like it, it's. It is exploitative to a crazy degree, but I want—I don't want to be a hypocrite because it happens all the time. What's happening is, is a mirror is being held up to a certain part of our community uh, that these adults that are filming him, the, the, these adult men that are filming him are using this for views. I know how the algorithm works. I know how AdSense works. I know that if you get more engagement, more views, more eyes, that you make money off of this. I'm not saying that kids aren't talking like this and rapping like this, but when you are using it for monetary gain, a child, somebody that's like, this is, he's nine years old. He hasn't even hit double digits yet. That's my issue with it right there. Um, you can't do that. 
You 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 just can't do that. And the guys that are allowing this to happen uh, are the guys that are, are are pushing this and making the videos and putting this out. Yeah, man, that is hurting the community because now when this kid grows up and he catches his first felony and he goes to chain gang and all this stuff like that, people going to be like, well, look where he started from. He's rapping about women's butts and this, that, and the third and running from the police and having his fire on him at nine years old. Uh, that's not cool, man. That's not cool. Again, I know it happens, but that's not cool when you exploit a kid for monetary purposes. Sure, sure, sure. Nicole, let's get your thoughts. Okay. Um, so I watched this part of this video. I watched this little black child. Um, and I'm I'm saying child because that's what he is. I'm using that very intentionally. He is a child. Um, I was absolutely devastated. I mean, I mean just flabbergasted at what was coming out of his mouth. I grew up in a very conservative Christian home. My mom died earlier this year, but while she was alive, I never even saw my mom wear a pair of pants. So that's how conservative she was. All right. My parents were very strict. And I said all that just to simply say we had discipline and rules and strict governance over what we could and could not do and what was we were allowed or not allowed to, to say or what came out of our mouths. So um, I don't know if if this part will be edited out or not, but but I want to just share a little sample of these lyrics. I'm going to edit myself, but but I think this just has to be shared. Here's part of what I saw him say on this video. If she ain't sucking blank, little beeps, you can get the F up out my speep. Hundred rounds, hit him with the Glock, take it effer down. Hundred round beeps, we in that kill. We gonna take him down. Twelve, get behind me. We gonna do 60 effing miles. Okay, <laughs> listen, you see, you see how many bleeps, you see how much I had to bleep out there. Mm -hmm. um, I find these lyrics to just be offensive as a woman. It's just vile. It's disgusting. But the fact that a nine year old child is saying them is abhorrent to me. It's just despicable. Yeah. But the real problem for me is not this little boy. It is his mother. She's promoting him on social media. And I don't know why, but maybe to, to John's point, you know, um, she's just capitalizing on something that's financial. Um, but I, I think this is an egregious parenting issue. I feel sorry for mom. I feel sorry for little RT. Um, I, I wish him well in his rap career, if that's what he wants to do. I just hope he can find a more constructive way to express himself. I hope mom can find a way to lovingly support his creativity without all the vulgarity and the defamation of women. You know what? I wish that we had done a, a separate episode dedicated to this topic because there's a lot, there's a lot Me here, too. but yeah. um, I will leave us with my thoughts. Um, I, I, it's, it's only fair for me to say that I'm extremely critical of most everything Candace Owens has to say. I am not a fan, not even remotely close. Remember, I'm the person that kept 
Kanye West from wearing the shirts that woman was wearing on stage in Europe, in France. Um, but, you know, a broken clock is right once a day. And so, you know, fair is fair. I'm in agreement fully that th this is, I'm not a fan of the song. It's, I don't believe it's a good song. Um, it's heartbreaking to see a child, you know, go this extreme. Children, I believe, should make children music, you know, um, I, you know, that's so that other children can listen to it and relate to it. That's kind of what I think. Um, I cannot relate to a child's perspective because I was never a child that did adult things. You know, when I was a child, I did child things. I can't relate to a child who's talking about adult things, nor can my children. Um, but one of the things that I want to push back on is how an individual outlier somehow gets painted across the entirety of black people and black culture. That is unfair. Is absolutely unfair. Okay. I grew up listening. I'm from Compton, California. Remember that I was born in 82. So I came from the worst of it. I did. Both parents on drugs. That's me. Gangs and drugs everywhere. Music. Not any better or worse than what this kid is talking about. I'm here. It's not all of us. All of us can listen to the music. All of us can dance to it. All of it. Just same way we all watch movies. We don't end up doing what's in the movies that, you know, other things exist. Porn exists. Uh, other forms of entertainment exist. It doesn't influence us to necessarily do anything. And the way that hip hop is taken and smeared across the worst parts of hip hop is taken and smeared across our entire culture as if to say, this is why they are like that. Without looking at things like, as I mentioned before, like poverty shapes outcomes way more than music does. 10 times out of 10. The government shapes outcomes way more than music, 10 times out of 10. Does music have a place? Absolutely. Is it where we need to start and end the conversation? Absolutely not. And for people like Candace Owens to take this and then again, smeared across the entirety of the culture without being very meticulous about the language that they're using. Remember, John, I push back, you know, because it's not all, it's not all. You're here just like I am, right? And you said you listened to Tip growing up, you listened to Jeezy growing up. And so mm -hmm. for me, I need to make sure that it's stated for our Black audience that is beautiful, that is special, that is valuable, that this individual outlier, this child who has perhaps come from a rough place, whose parents probably come from the same place, who have not a lot in the way of prospects, who got a little bit of game, figured out how to work an algorithm to get some money to change their immediate reality. Again, a function of poverty, selling out whatever, their kid, whatever. You know, people have done worse. But for that to now be positioned as though, see, this is what's wrong with the kids today, over, overlooking all of the many things that happen to lead to ind indeed this instance, but every other instance as well, I think it's unfair. I think it's unfair and irresponsible for Candace Owens with a stage as big as hers to, to use this in that way. And I think that both of you are right to feel heartbroken about this music.
And so I will leave that there. We should have a conversation that's a lot longer, but I know that Chris will <laughs> be mad at me if I let this conversation drag on any longer than it needs to. So with that in mind, I want to thank you both as always for your time and your insight. You two are brilliant minds and I I can't express to you how much I enjoy having these conversations with you. Once again, today's guests are Black Information Network news anchors, John Marshall and Nicole Deal. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show is produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I am your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. And I'll be hosting another episode of Civic Cypher this weekend on a station near you. For stations, showtimes, and podcast info, check civiccypher.com. And join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.